Welcome to the Women's Cycling Weekly Podcast. How are you today, Zelda? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, hanging on till Christmas. Is it cold um, in Germany yet? Uh, it's like it. It was quite cold for a while, and then the last couple of days have been like a bit warmer. So I've been going out in like my massive coat, and then ended up like sweating. sweating. But I'm heading to like ahead of the UK this afternoon, where it's like minus five or whatever it is. So. Yes, it is freezing. It's telling me minus one right now on my laptop. So. <laughs> Your laptop's got the temperature. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, you mean like a weather app or something? Anyway, yeah, it's not like a thermometer. <laughs> no, but I don't. <laughs> uh, why did I think your laptop had like, like a car, you know? Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my God, okay. Wow. It's Friday, okay, it's so... Friday. We, we're not in the zoo. It's Friday, <laughs> I'm so ready for a Christmas break speaking of which um this is our last podcast guest episode guest episode episode with a guest um for 2022 Uh, but it's not our last episode of the year we're gonna do a jazzy little Christmas special next week um and it's a good one I think we're rounding out the year with a really nice guest today who is it Hilda yeah, so this week we are joined by Imogen Cotter, who, if you know her name, you probably know that this year she had a pretty horrendous crash at the beginning of the season um, and had a pretty long fight back to get to be back on the bike. Um, but we kind of had yeah quite a wide-ranging conversation with her about how she got into cycling, coming from Ireland, where it's not a massive sport, um, how she ended up on Planta Pura, and also her feelings about next year kind of being back to full fitness and also as we found out this week the team will now be in the world tour so that is big news for that team there so yeah lots of things to speak about and it was a really nice interview wouldn't you agree it was I really like Imogen's mentality like I found it really interesting how positive she's been throughout what's been a really really tough time for her I was actually super inspired after that so me too me yeah too. hopefully you guys will feel the same but before we hear from Imogen let's just have a little quick look at the week in women's cycling so speaking of Planta Pura who are no longer Planta Pura um they yeah they are becoming the new women's world tour team for 2023 which is what we expected but they're not Planta Pura anymore they're now called Phoenix de Koenig um so that's exciting for them uh and elsewhere after postponing her retirement this year Marta Bastinelli has decided that she's gonna finish racing after the Giordana next year so after a pretty long career for her she's gonna be be hanging up the old wheels in Italy which is quite fitting as an Italian in other news quite out of the blue or so it seemed to us um or to many people uh, after the collapse of the B&B hotels team, both women's and men's, unfortunately, which I think we did cover last week, um, there's a new team in town that have popped up and basically just taken the vast majority of the female riders who were due to ride for B&B. So it's called ZAF. Is that how you would say that? ZAF? ZAF? It's a Spanish team, uh, continental 
squad and they've picked up Audrey Cordon Rago, Heidi Franz, Maggie Falls-Leister and African continental champion Ebtissam Zayed Ahmed. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprising one. We knew the team was was coming to... Well, we knew the team was being created um, by people who used to be involved with Silence for some OGs, I think, fans. But um, until a few weeks ago, they definitely didn't have this kind of roster. So they kind of swept up out of that B&B collapse. So probably a much better team than they would have been had that not happened. Very true, yeah. Silver lining for them. Um, Hopefully, it's a mutual... It's of mutual benefit for the riders that have um, ended up having to go there after the whole B&B debacle. Um, speaking of team debacles, um, unfortunately, <laughs> looks like the Kolwahu is uh, not going to be a team next year. They don't. Most of the riders that were due to to ride for the team have, have jumped ship now, including this week we heard Eva Van Acht. Um, she's going to join Yumbo Visma. Um and Becky's story is gonna head to Team DSM. Transfers just keep coming. UAE Team ADQ announced this week that they've signed Carolina Kumiega, the Polish rider, am I correct? Yeah. Um, so there's another one for their roster, which is getting quite big now. Um and in other news, or finally, specialized are having a bit of a a weird one um they've dropped all of their ambassadors this week which is quite a surprising move literally every single one of them um, the the what would you call them just the people on their ambassador program um so a lot of them are kind of like adventure riders or kind of influencers their contracts have been terminated this week so no more spawn con from specialized i guess for that so there we go. That's the week. Shall we hear from Imogen? Yeah, here she is. Welcome to the podcast, Imogen Cotter. How are you tonight? Today? It's tonight? It feels tonight, like it's night. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah, dark in Girona. Uh, I'm good. I'm. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, just uh, coming out of a bit of sickness this week, but yeah, all good. Good to hear. You've got a bit of an interesting story. Um, kind of in a lot of ways, you've got an interesting entry into the sport and you've had quite the year this year. Um, first of all, maybe just kind of talk to us briefly about how you got into cycling. Also, for anyone who doesn't know, Imogen rides for what used to be Planto Pura and is now, oh my God, what's it called? It changed its name like two days ago. Phoenix the Koenig. There we go. <laughs> yeah um yeah so how I got into this sport so I guess um I was always I was always quite sporty like uh as a child I was doing cross-country running that kind of thing um doing like swimming at school and then I suppose running swimming then my dad got into cycling so I kind of naturally progressed then into triathlon and I did triathlon for a couple of years um in my late teens like 16 17 and then um, my running was pretty good uh, and my running got spotted by a local running coach so then from the age of like 17 18 up until I was like 23 I was pretty big into running so um I was doing cross-country running some track running um and I was at a pretty good level in that I was like competitive at 
um, you know, road races and I had a couple of national titles on the track um, and I had a scholarship offered to the US and stuff like that. So it was like I was going pretty well in running, but it was like the continuous loop in running of um, have a good training block, get really injured build back again and it was just like that whole cycle I felt like with running because it's such a high impact sport I could never reach my potential and I knew like I had all the basics to be good but I could never get there um so it was like I was I was 23 I finished university I studied sports science and I moved to London and I was kind of that typical post-university what the hell am I doing like I was working I started working in the north face then I worked in like a, a bar restaurant and then I was like a GP receptionist at a doctor's surgery I was doing all these jobs but I was like what am I going to do I was really confused because I knew I loved running and I was running like pretty good then but I was also like what am I doing with my life and I remember at the time I was going for um for interviews for jobs and recruiting uh, in London like if I did that I don't know what I would do if I'd done that like it's so bizarre to me but anyway it could have been me but it wasn't because actually as I was going for all these job um, interviews for recruitment my mom sent me on a link on Facebook and it was like um, cycling Ireland are looking for a talent transfer um, athletes and you know she said worth a shot and I remember like I kind of half-assed filled it out but I forgot about it and I was waiting for a bus a few days later and I was like oh you know what I'll finish off that application so I didn't even know what I was applying for actually because I remember as the I got accepted to the program and the program went on and I got through the first round of testing and then I had um, a six-week training program to follow and then you had like the second round of testing and I have to say like my numbers weren't even that good but I had improved in the um in the six weeks I improved like I think it was 48 percent on my sprint test and it was like 35 percent or something crazy on my three minute power so like they obviously could see that I responded well to training after only six weeks so they took me on to this national track program but at the time I remember being like I wonder what they're going to put me in like am I going to do track like I didn't even know what a velodrome was am I going to do track or am I going to do like maybe a bit of road like I didn't really know and then I realized that I had applied for a track program so I was going like to just the velodrome um so yeah that was how I got into sport into cycling and I was like 24 I think when I got accepted onto the program and um yeah I ended up you know I was living in London but then I moved to Mallorca to um train over there with the national track program full-time because in Ireland we don't have a velodrome <clears throat> and yeah I lived in Mallorca until I was 20 for a year so until I was 25 and then in 2019 I moved to Belgium um I didn't get selected for Euros that was why I moved to Belgium I'm not going to be like and then I just decided my time was done like I was really basically kicked off the program and I moved to Belgium to try my hand at road cycling so when I did my first road races I think I was like 25 um so I was pretty a, a late comment to the sport in like a very roundabout way as well but um yeah just here I am now. So it worked out. Not recruitment. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you chose the right path there. <laughs> so relatable with the whole like graduating union, like floating around, I like, stack shelves in a waitrose. I think it's just a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It really is. <laughs> that kind of lost period, I think, is a 
it's really scary but then once you look back on it you're like okay I'm past that now yeah definitely um so you started racing on the road at 25 what was that like kind of navigating like racing in a bunch for the first time and all those scary things that people always talk about (laughs) yeah that was really that was so scary well I have to say like 25 was my first season but when I was 24 I had just done one race like a a stage race in Ireland I did the Rossnaman as my first race and I remember like and I have it written in my training piece which is so funny if I go back and read like my my recap of my first day of road racing it was like I was traumatized I was like the smell of rubber with everybody pulling on their brakes you've got like all the squeaky disc brakes and oh it was just it was really scary and I think when you start cycling when you're like as as is the norm in the European peloton like a lot of them have been cycling since they're like eight nine you know super young and you kind of grow to move with your bike. Like you you know exactly what your bike can do. You know how, how you can shift your weight. You know how to take a corner. I knew none of that. And I really went into these races in Belgium just being like, what am I doing here? Like it is, and it's really like fight to survive. Like it was really just, that's all it was. And, you know, it wasn't like I had great results or anything. Like my first year in Belgium, I was just surviving and it took it takes a long time like even now I still feel like when I see some of the other girls who've been riding for years and years and years I'm looking at them like wow the way that they can move with their bike is just incredible like I I still have I've improved but I'm by no means you know Anamika or anything like that well Anamika started late as well yeah that's true she's actually she gives me a lot of um a lot of hope also Mavi Garcia you know I can that's who I'm trying to emulate (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was gonna say do you think that's kind of continuing to benefit you because I feel like especially these days there's this kind of growing contingent of women who come through because they're really good like e-racers or come through Zwift Academy and like then kind of it is a huge shock in the peloton so but do you kind of continue to feel the benefit even though I'm sure it was pretty hard at the time yeah well I think the reason I can feel the benefit is maybe when you come to it very early like you can when you have setbacks when you reach like your mid-20s you can start thinking oh you know what this isn't for me whereas for me I'm still like okay let's just keep going let's see where this goes you know if if I you know have a setback I think okay but what's the next step like what can I do next so um I think a big part of my cycling journey has just been being naive like I've always been very like naive about how far I have to go to like get to a certain level or naive about everything I've gone into everything just being very naively positive like this will work out and I will become pro one day like I don't know it's just I think the the longer you have like I I think people make fun of being very positive like I do have a you know sometimes it can be seen as being like falsely positive or something but I do have a very positive outlook so yeah when things are going wrong or when I'm you know spat by the bunch or when I'm like oh my positioning's not great I'm like but next time it'll be better (laughs) you know nothing gets me down (laughs) that's super important though I think because so much of cycling is like the mental side of it and kind of if you can take something from every race even if you got spat after like 10k or whatever like Mm -hmm. you you're gonna want to carry on whereas I think if you're like oh what's the point I'm never gonna get there then that's when people end up quitting me um so (laughs) so yeah I think that's good 
so yeah, then it how... is a hugely mental sport like what you say is correct like it's you know obviously a lot of it is your legs but I think it mental mentally like that plays a lot in it you know so yeah so then how did you get from your first season racing in Belgium um learning 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 and then signing for Planta Pura yeah so yeah I had the first season in Belgium which was 2019 um and yeah that was just a it was a bit uh, baptism by fire but then in 2020 I signed for a really lovely team in Belgium Kirkens Red Ant and they're a club team but they get invited to do UCI races and I kind of had the opportunity with them to do the UCI races but not with any pressure which was uh, an amazing thing you know to have that opportunity um, and then at the end of 2019 as well I got I'd done Zwift Academy so I was you know I I kind of I got injured I broke my arm at the end of 2019 but I kind of had the opportunity to then start with Zwift and I got a bit into Zwift and I got through to the semi-finals of the Zwift Academy and then the following year obviously then we had lockdown and everything and I went back to Ireland and um, yeah when I was back in Ireland I was on Zwift every day um, I was re- we had a really strict lockdown in Ireland and I thought that everybody was abiding by the rules like I thought we were all only cycling within our five kilometer radius so I was not cycling outdoors because there was nowhere to cycle um but yeah then I realized after lockdown that everybody had just been breaking the rules and I was the only one who had been on their turbo every day <laughs> but anyway I uh I was on Zwift a lot then um in 2020 and then at the end of 2020 um got back to Belgium did more racing and yeah things were going okay and in 2021 um that was when I tried out for the Movistar e-team they had a, they were beginning to you know set up their e- e-team and get into the e-sports side of things and I think that that for me was like the first um that was really difficult it was my first real experience of swift racing like at that high level and that for me was really humbling but also taught me like a whole new level of of like pain and suffering so I think I got very good at um at hurting in 2021 and the first half of the season on the road didn't go so well but then I started to find my form getting into like July August and you know I was coming around and I had a couple of good results uh and I could just see that I was kind of starting to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Like I could see that, oh, I can read the bunch a bit well. I can, you know, handle my bike a bit better. Everything seemed to be coming together at the end of that season. And I had like really, I had a great Canyon bike because um, Movistar is sponsored by Canyon. And yeah, then at the end of 2021, I also won the nationals in Ireland, uh, which had been a huge goal of mine. And then yeah I was kind of without a team and I didn't really know what I was going to do I was really happy for me I always wanted to go pro but my really one thing that I wanted was to win the national champs at some stage in my career so when I won that I was like okay I don't know what happens next but I'm really happy regardless and then when I got a professional contract offered to me I was like holy shit like this is amazing so that's how I signed for Planta Pura yeah and then yeah, I guess we get to the start of uh, this year and this is where things take a turn, which I'm sure a lot of people um, will have heard you speak about before. But for anyone that doesn't know, can you explain um, what happened to you at the start of this year? Yeah, so I moved to Girona at the start of the year because I was like, okay, professional contract. It had always been on my bucket list to live here. So I was like, okay, let's 
moved to Girona, see what it's like. Um, I had done all of my winter training in Ireland, like in the rain, in the freezing cold. And I was like ready to get somewhere slightly warmer, even though Girona isn't like, you know, hot in January, it was going to be warmer. So yeah, I mean, I moved here on the 1st of January, new year, new me. And um, I was finding my way around, really liked the place we're training. And I was just out on a training camp at the end of January this year. Um, out on a training ride and it was like the week before I was going on training camp with the team my numbers were brilliant I just done power test like two days before I was like oh I cannot wait to start racing and with the team that I was with as well Prancha Pura like the setup was so professional I had like the best equipment it was just all looking great and I was just finishing off I had done like I had a like two hour easy ride and that morning I had moved apartments and so in the afternoon I headed out at like 2 30 I think um and I went for just a normal training ride but again I was like oh my legs are feeling so good I was looking at the numbers I was pushing it was like 20 watts higher than I'd usually push for like an easy ride but I was just feeling good and I was actually finishing my loop um earlier than expected so I was like I'll add on a bit extra so I took this kind of road that I hadn't really taken before and I was just coming around a bend um and as I was coming around this, it was it was like a 90 degree bend and off the apex of the bend, there was a, a side road. And as I was coming around the bend, a van began overtaking a cyclist on the other side of the road and he took a racing line towards the side road and he hit me head on. And I woke up on the ground. Um, my bike was in like five different pieces. Um, there was someone holding my hand I'd never seen before I was completely out of it my my knee was bust open I ended up rupturing my whole quadriceps tendon um, damaging my patella tendon uh, shattering my patella like my knee was open like this is a quote like the guy who, who was holding my hand told me this like my knee was open like a flower he just kept telling me don't look at your knee don't look at your knee it was like completely I don't know if if anybody's seen the scar, if anybody's listening has seen the scar, but like it's it's like a T scar on my knee, but my everything had just opened like because yeah, my knee just went straight into the car. Um I had like smashed my face off the windscreen, I had broken my radius and my ulna, and yeah, it was I did a lot of damage. Um and that that was like the beginning of this crazy year that I did not expect you know you never you actually don't ever expect it to happen to you and it was like I remember lying on the ground and like the firefighters holding my head because they didn't know what damage I had done and I remember saying to them like because I kind of wanted them to to know like get me to a hospital I don't know why I said this I was like I'm the national champ <laughs> like I remember looking up at them and being like I'm the national champ like as if that was going to say oh we need to get her to an ambulance but like it took 40 minutes for the ambulance to arrive and I was there was so much blood I was fainting it was really um really traumatic it was really horrible and uh yeah, I went in for emergency surgery that night. My parents came over from Ireland. I ended up this year having like five surgeries in total. So it's been a pretty different year to what I had imagined. Yeah. What was kind of, at what point, because I think for a lot of people, if that sort of thing had happened, you'd be pretty scared to get back on a bike on open roads. What 
at what point did you kind of decide no actually I'm going to carry on pursuing this yeah I actually well I know the day after the accident I woke up in hospital and it wasn't like I was thinking oh I better like you know pack it in I remember thinking like oh my god my comeback is going to be amazing like that was the day after I hadn't even thought and I think again like I said to you guys at the beginning I was very naive when I got into cycling I was also very naive when this whole thing started because I actually didn't know how bad my injuries were in uh in Spain the the English in the hospitals isn't great which you know obviously I should be able to speak Spanish I'm not saying like why can't they speak English like it's my own fault but I actually didn't know what they had done to my knee for two days, you know, and I didn't know what damage had been done. I, I was really just very naive. I thought like, oh, I've broken a few bones. Like, and I think you can see that. Like, I think people don't think it was that bad of an injury. Sometimes when you read like the recap, it's like Imogen Carter suffered broken bones. I'm like, I nearly died. Like I didn't suffer broken bones. Like, I could have died, you know, and I, I obviously, you know, I didn't know that. So when I first put out like my first tweet, just to like let everybody know I was still alive, it was like, yeah, I broke my radius, my ulna and my patella. But that sounds like a very straightforward like recovery. But I think I was really naive and that I thought that it was just going to be, okay, wait for my bones to heal, get back on the bike. Like I had no idea what was ahead of me. And I really, I had never experienced, like, I didn't even know what a traumatology department was. Like, I didn't, I had never had that experience of a hospital system. So <clears throat> I didn't know, like, I remember when I woke up after my first surgery, they were like, we're going to transfer you to the traumatology department. But I thought they said dermatology because I didn't know what traumatology was. And I was like, oh, my God, the scars on my face must be awful. I couldn't even... And I had cast on both my arms, so I didn't know what, what was happening. And I was thinking, oh, my God, this is so scary. And then I realized I was in traumatology. But I didn't realize that with, like, a trauma accident, it's quite common to have multiple surgeries. So, you know, <clears throat> I had my first two surgeries and for my knee and then my wrist. And then I remember going to Belgium for a consultation on my knee and them telling me I needed another surgery and I had a panic attack I was like this is not normal like, I need another surgery I'm never going to walk again like I can't believe I need another surgery it was just really scary but at the time I had no idea I was just so naive um so I don't think I ever thought like oh this is the end I just thought like keep recovering one day at a time like keep going and yeah thank god I have made a well, I'm not going to say full recovery, but like nearly, you know, I'm back riding my bike and everything. So, yeah. And in some ways, kind of recalling all of that, it seems like mad that you were racing again in September. Does it feel like that to you? I mean, I know you say that you couldn't have had any idea of time scale, but did you think you'd be back, not even just riding, but racing this year? No, no. I wanted to, but I thought it was like a, <clears throat> I thought it was a, I thought it was too hopeful to be racing this year. So I, yeah, I, I really wanted to because I didn't want to let a full season go by without racing. And also because it's what, like, it's what my job is. You know, I was paid this year to be a professional cyclist. And when the team came to me and, you know, they could see that I was training again and, you know, they were obviously helping me with my training program. You know, then I, when they said to me, we think it would be a good idea if you did some racing I thought like okay like what am I gonna do 
what if I stay at home what good is that you know I can stay at home and, and be afraid for the rest of my life but I think it, even if I wasn't fully fit which I was not like I was not fit at all it was still like the the right thing to do even though it was really scary it was definitely the right thing to do and I was really lucky that I had their support though and I didn't have any pressure on me as well which was like the the nice thing I didn't have any expectations on me going into into the races and I just felt like I could find my legs again which was nice and how did you actually get to that point then to be racing kind of what was the like how long did it take you to get back on a bike and then at what point were you like okay I'm training now rather than riding yeah um I think my first ride (coughs) sorry that I did outdoors so I wasn't riding my bike for like the first three months and then I had a second knee surgery and that's when I could move my knee enough again because the first three months I was stuck at um 60 degrees and you need like double that to do a, a pedal stroke so I was walking with the limp not never mind cycling like it wasn't going to happen um and then yeah I have to say like when I had that second knee surgery I was it was such an emotional experience because like I had lost hope like I was really I'm a hopeful person I'm a positive person but I was like I was thinking like okay I'm going to be a para-athlete now like what what options do I have like I really did not think that I was going to ride my bike again in a professional peloton and I was trying to make peace with that and it was a really scary thing to do and then I went to um, Dr. Class in Belgium and I think Sam went to him as well, uh, Amy. And that's why like, I think I had seen him the week before I went and he just had surgery. And I remember going to Belgium. I don't want to get emotional about this, but like, sorry. I was so afraid when I went to Belgium because I really didn't think I was going to cycle again. Sorry. So I really didn't think I was going to cycle again. And when I went into him, it was like, that was the first doctor who saw me as an athlete. Sorry. <laughs> he saw me as an athlete Fine. and I could see how badly I wanted to get back to it. And it was really like, it was so calming seeing someone who was like, we have to get you back on the bike, like get your jersey ready to hang in the hall. Like you're going to be back on the bike. And I remember I went for the surgery and when I woke up, my knee was already uh, in a, one of those passive movement machines and it was already doing 110 degrees. And I remember just holding his hand and crying. Like I was so relieved, I can't tell you. Like it was up until that point, I didn't think I was gonna be cycling again. And then, yeah, when I, so it took me about another month after that surgery until I could go outside and cycle with cleats again. And then I guess it was in like August that I started to start doing intervals again which was you know obviously my top end power was completely gone but it felt really nice at that time to be kind of doing a training program rather than just riding and yeah it was like August was when I started training properly again and then September was when I raced again so I was really not ready but it was like you know it was I was just using the the races as experience I wasn't using them to you know win I didn't think that was gonna happen (laughs) sorry for getting emotional (laughs) don't apologize no 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 huge thing well the risk of making you emotional again how did it actually feel once you were back in that race setting and kind of with the team and like finally back at a race 
oh it felt really well I have to say it did feel really scary but I think the I went over like to Belgium a week before the team wanted me to go over um, and I just went to do some like Hermes racing on my own with no pressure and that felt great and people were so I have to say like the peloton at the Kermes racing was so kind like people who who knew me and who knew what I had been through like they were like it was so nice people were like welcome back so good to see you and it was the exact same thing when I went into these UCI races with Plantio Pura as well like I had all of the support from the team uh, and I was I was actually afraid because I hadn't met any of my teammates you know so I hadn't had the chance to bond with any of them at the training camps or any of that I've missed like a whole season but actually, like, they were so understanding, you know, I finished my first UCI race with them and they were like, oh, my God, you finished, like, you're amazing. <laughs> like, you know, it was no pressure and it was so understanding and it felt really, it just felt really good, actually. And, you know, the, I have to say the team has been amazing. My teammates are just so lovely. Like, there's no, there's been nothing, no negativity, no, like, unrealistic expectations of me if I'm asked to do something in a race like I I try my best to help them and they can see that I'm trying my best and yeah it's been just really um it's been really lovely to actually be able to connect with them and it makes the whole process of going back which is so daunting it makes it so much easier when you have people around you who are like rooting for you and so it's it's nearly time to start a new season I can't believe it's starting so soon but yeah a new season and hopefully a full season you said you're not quite fully fully recovered yet but where are you at kind of in yeah both your physical recovery and also just like off-season training wise well I've started back I started my off-season training a bit um different to most of the other girls because like I didn't do any kind of vo2 efforts at all this year really so I started doing them almost immediately when I started back after my off-season um so yeah it's uh I'm on the road back but I would say that the thing about your top end power is you lose it really quickly but to gain it back is really hard so I'm doing these vo2 intervals but it will take a long time to build up that like top end power that I had um but yeah I'm just doing it day by day and I think I hope that you know by racing this year and and that by putting in the work over the next couple of months I can come back to it you know at a at a good level and give it a good shot like I'm I don't want to let this be the thing that defines me or stops me when I'm with racing like I wanted to to make sure that I was going to make a comeback like regardless so I've been really like diligent with my gym work and also with like the on the bike stuff but for me like the rehab in the gym has been you know the most important I think because I lost like so much muscle in my right leg so when you rupture your tendon it's like my my quad is gone you know so and so is my hamstring you know everything is just like it's like such a tiny skinny leg now um but I'm trying to build it back up and hopefully like get my power balance a bit more even because now it's like 60 40 um yeah just to I'm hoping that like all the little percents will just come together and yeah hopefully I get a good shot at it oh yeah for sure I just I don't know ask me why I'm asking this now but it's just occurred to me to ask so all the time that you spent when you were off the bike and you couldn't um, do anything really because you were injured, obviously you were focusing on rehab, but what were you doing to fill your time? You know, I actually don't really know. Back then, like, 
my days were very like I was really lucky I had like my my family came over obviously the first month and everything they were really good at taking care of me and it actually and I was talking to a friend of mine about this just recently like when I had that time off the bike it had always occurred to me that like when I finish sport like I thought oh my god what will I do like what what will what will my life be but actually I was able to live like a really full life you know I was able to like meet people for coffee and not like you know it, it was like and obviously now I can meet people for coffee but my friendships became a lot stronger during that period and like I I just became a more rounded person I think because you know you kind of see when you're in your athlete bubble and I think all athletes can relate to this you're very like selfish you're just like focused on you and when that is taken away from you it's like your identity you're like I am a cyclist like this is what I am but actually like you have to see like Imogen as a whole person and that was like really difficult at the beginning you know thinking okay what am I without cycling what am I without going to the gym all the time like whatever you know and I was able to to actually develop that side of me which makes me less afraid of what is to come after after cycling which was you know there is you know there is like not it's not something to be afraid of I think for me anymore which has been like a really nice thing to realize um I love it I love it now I want to give it the absolute best shot that I can and I don't see myself giving up soon even though like yeah I started late I don't see myself giving up anytime soon um yeah so I just but I know that when the time does come to give it up it's not terrifying and it's not lonely it's just life a normal life though and also I started uh crocheting and knitting so I turned into a bit of a granny as well that's so. what I thought you were gonna say I was like I'm de- she's definitely gonna talk about knitting now this is when she's gonna start talking about the knitting <laughs> yeah no I have I've got my I've got all my knitting my new wool on the sofa ready to like knit in that knit a hat later so yeah I'm uh I also got into that which was like something I was doing before but it became like very soothing for me actually after you know you've got all this spare time and also like my I'm always like moving like you know when I'm even after the accident like I moved so much that I was so not used to moving that when I was lying in bed like my feet were just moving all the time and my dad thought I had like a nerve problem because I couldn't stop moving my feet he was like is this something since the accident and I was like no I do this just because I can't move like I wanted to move so badly so yeah it's nice to kind of have a goal and like just be moving and doing something so yeah I was really um yeah I developed a lot of different aspects and I suppose I became like a good crocheter (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting you say about kind of it's almost like a bit of a silver lining to the situation is that you kind of developed this personality away from being a cyclist because I think that is something that a lot of athletes find really really hard so it's kind of like you've had like a little mini taste of retirement mid midway through to kind of get the sense of who you are Uh uh-huh yeah no it's a massive thing and I think you know I think as well there's been a lot of good that has come out of this year I can't like I can't let that one thing that happened at the beginning of the year be the defining moment like I've also had like a really great year in terms of just like meeting my teammates you know getting to learn from them like the way that they race um yeah there's been so many different aspects of of this year that are not just the accident like I've been to different countries and raced you know it's been an amazing year I have to say like even though 
it started off pretty badly. Yeah, am I right in saying um, you just recently got back from like your first proper, proper training camp? How was that? Yeah, no, it's so good. It was funny, like, because it happened the week before when I had my crash in January. So the whole like week before this training camp, I was like, just get home, just get home. You're going to be fine. Like <laughs> every ride, I was like, come on, Jim, make it to that camp. And actually, yeah, it was so fun to get to that camp and to see, like, obviously I've seen it at races, how professionally the team is run, but to see it like in a camp and to be like I love being around people who have like the same kind of training mindset as I have so to be around that you know surrounded by like 17 other girls who want to you know achieve like the same things and who want to work as hard as I do it was really motivating to be in that atmosphere and yeah we've also got like amazing care the, the team not just the riders but then the whole staff around it is just incredible so um yeah it was really great to have a taste of that and also like just get comfortable with everybody not in a race setting like just training camp it was nice super nice and so okay so you're gonna get a clear run on next season <laughs> what are your goals what are you looking forward to yeah so I'm going to be with uh Phoenix de Kooning next year which is great um I'm really grateful that they've given me that chance to like develop you know I tried my hardest this year but I think they can see that it's going to be like a a long road back but I'm going to get back um so yeah my goals I, I suppose like within the team I really want to become more consistent at like giving results whether that's you know for myself or you know working for a teammate um I really want to to become like a a key rider that they can rely on instead of you know um I don't want to be like thinking oh I can't do this because of my um, my injuries I want to be like okay rider that's done in the past like, let's keep going um so yeah I want to get consistent with the results like in in UCI races I want to be able to consistently help my teammates and be part of a team plan um yeah whether that is for myself or teammates I don't care like whatever the ds decides um and i also want to win the nationals again because i never got to wear my jersey in a race that's like literally that's such a big deal for me i really want to do that um yeah and it's just to keep like developing and getting stronger because i feel like now i'm maybe at 85 to 90 percent of where i was and i want to just keep working consistently on getting back to that you know more punchy side of things um and yeah, just putting everything that happened this year behind me and I'm moving forward as like a more rounded athlete and yeah, in a very supportive environment. I'm I'm excited for 2023. And yeah, one piece of news we've had this week is that Phoenix Decanic will be the, the new World Tour team next year. Does that kind of mean a lot to you as a rider in terms of, you know, you'll have a bit of a, or the team will have a bigger and busier calendar and bigger races or are you just kind of looking at it as it's still the same team I still have the same goals whether it's the Tour de France or something else well I have to say like the way that the team approach all races like whether it's been a world tour race or a UCI race it's the same the same kind of there's always a clear plan always dedicated riders and it's like it's never I don't see the difference like when we go from a UCI race to a world tour race it's not that there's always pressure there but there's always like a clear um it's not pressure but it's like a clear plan of what is going to happen so I think the same professionalism will just carry through once they get the world tour license like it's not 
I don't feel like it's going to change because all the girls, they wouldn't have had the world tour license for next year if the girls hadn't brought all that same energy this year. So I think it's just going to roll on through. I don't think, obviously, like, yeah, there's, a, you know, it's a step up. But the, um, yeah, I, I've seen the way that the girls work. And if they can bring more, I'll be surprised because they bring, they brought like 100% to any races I was at with them this year. It was like all in. So um that's what got them to where they're going to be yeah is there any particular race that you're like I really apart from nationals of course is there any race that you're like I have to be at this race next year um I think it's like I did because I did a couple of the races later in the season with the girls and I'm intrigued to see where I can be next year you know with considerably more preparation behind me so like some of like we did a really nice race in Italy Jared and Emilia um, and I really liked that race. And um, I also really liked Tour de Romandie, even if I was like, I was quite sick at that race, but I would love to do that race feeling like in full health <laughs> again. So it was interesting for me because usually the races I have done have been in Belgium. Like I haven't really gone abroad for racing. I've done like a few in France, but mostly in Belgium where it's like flat and it's not my kind of race. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to... Uh, do races that more suited my my strengths if I had no. those strengths <laughs> but I didn't have them this year <laughs> and what would you say those are then so like what if you and it's some people kind of say you have to ride for a few seasons before you can really identify like what kind of rider you might be or like what you might specialize in but if you had to say what would you describe your kind of preferred races climbing as? anything climbing I love to climb um so yeah anything like with a long climb to the finish is good for me I don't want to be in a bunch sprint <laughs> never <laughs> it's not going to happen so uh anything with like a, a lot of climbing and like a, a dwindled down group um that's what I like usually like that's where I can I can let my strengths come out so yeah I hope like no I know that next year that will be back to normal I love I honestly love this attitude like I think you need to write like a book or something I would read it <laughs> yeah. no, because to write a book I have to have like the comeback like there has to be like a big win at the end like there's already been all the squiggles ups and downs but I need to get like a big win and then I can write a book <laughs> oh I'm sure it's not too far off fingers crossed um, my the last thing I want to ask is have you thought about um and maybe it's not a thing for you but have you thought about what you're going to do on the day that it's a year since your accident you know I actually I wanted to have it like a second birthday like I really wanted to now I am going to be on team camp and I don't want to be a total diva like everybody say happy <laughs> birthday to me so I'm kind of trying to, to figure out what I'm going to do because actually as it's coming closer I am getting more emotional I'm like whoa like it, it's very crazy like what what happened like I think sometimes when you're going through a trauma it's only when you look back you can see like how batshit crazy it was and I think that that's happening with me now I'm I was very much in like you know just uh what do they call it cruise control like when you're just doing everything as it comes um but yeah no I, I can't get my teammates to sing happy birthday when it's not actually my birthday so yeah you can really why not <laughs> <laughs> I did want to make it like a thing of just celebrating the day like because I think uh Claire Faber when she had her bad accident in Luxembourg before the tour of Luxembourg and she also was hit by a car and nearly died like she called that her second birthday and when I saw that I was like yeah like it is like 
not many people are in the club where they get a second birthday but once you're in it like why not celebrate it so I'll, I'll celebrate in some way maybe I'll do a really long ride on training camp I'll be like double it we're doing like a, a century today <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> like who's coming with me oh nobody oh weird. <laughs> on your own <laughs> <laughs> No, I have my candle at the end on my own. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that because it's like, it's just kind of, it's also just like goes along with the whole mentality that you have had the whole time of this positivity. And I think that's really, just a really great way of looking at things. So. Yeah, thank you. It hasn't yeah. been, I, I think it maybe looks all rose tinted glasses, but yes, yeah, definitely like a, you know, a conscious effort to, to maintain that. Yeah. Um, yeah thanks so much Imogen for coming on the podcast it's been actually really great to speak to you it's kind of a funny one because obviously like we see each other around Girona and I <laughs> you know but um yeah I think it's such an amazing story that you've got and it's so it's actually it's just really inspiring and it's really I can't wait to see it culminate in you getting a great win next year because I have no doubt that that's going to happen with your attitude and your talent so yeah all the oh, best thank you I feel confident now. Thanks. <laughs> Honestly, if Imogen wrote a memoir or some sort of like how to deal with rough times handbook, I would buy that. I would read that. Honestly, I keep thinking, how have we turned this podcast into us getting life coaching from cool people? <laughs> like every week is someone, Michelle Duffy, Gina Ball, someone like that, giving us this great advice. And Imogen is just like top of the top. It's amazing her outlook. So yeah, bring on the book and the comeback. Yes, I just, I feel like we get off every interview and I just feel so like inspired. I'm like, I'm going to go and conquer the world now. Like every single person we've spoken to, it's been the same, like kind of, we've just been in, moved to follow whatever it is that like, you know, Elle just got, just got to go with the School of Rocks. You were like, I'm going to go and do this now. So yeah, it's, um, I guess that's what we want though, isn't it? That's kind of mm. what we've, we've set out to try and achieve with this podcast is to just to hear from people who who it's not all about just like pro racing or all of that jazz it's actually about yeah kind of life beyond the bike or the ways that the bike affects people elsewhere in their lives did that make any sense I don't know um so yeah I hope you enjoyed our last interview of this little series of the podcast um and we'll be back next week for the Crimbo Special. Yeah, and as usual, if you're not, um, go ahead and subscribe to the newsletter, like and rate this podcast. We are, as much as we're looking forward to a break, I think we're also both looking forward to being back on the wagon in 2023. New year, we're going to have a new logo, all of this. So yeah, get involved now and you'll be on the party bus in Jan 2023. Party bus! <laughs> Anyway, I've got a bus to catch, so see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.